0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Express time. Yes, get that choo-choo ready. We are talking Global Accessibility Awareness Day, Be My Eyes, and the iCo app.
2: You're listening to Double Tap Express. Your weekly roundup of what's
3: happening on Double Tap this week. Now here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. The train is on time. Surprise! I was waiting for that the that sound is.
3: effect. Come on. All oh, right. are oh, you want the sound effect? De- no, no, we're not overusing it. Uh, <laughs> are we not? What? No. Is that a new policy? <laughs>
1: As of of, uh, 10 seconds ago, yeah. Uh, Listen, lots to get through uh, today. We're going to be talking about global accessibility awareness day in just a second, of course. That is the big story of the day. Um, Also coming up, we'll be hearing from OpenAI's CEO, Sam Altman, who went in front of the US Congress this week. He'll be uh, talking about none other than Be My Eyes. Uh, Yeah, he mentions Be My Eyes in front of the Congress, which is incredible. So exciting. Um, As an example of excellent ways that AI is being used. I don't think anyone is in doubt about that. And Be My Eyes is a, such a great story. Uh, yeah. And you know, to that end, we even speak to Be My Eyes CEO, Mike Buckley. He'll be joining us today to talk about how the community are coming together to uh, help make sure that this app is working and is ready for prime time. And we even get information on when the app will be Finally released. Or do we? Or do we? Mm -hmm. Cliffhanger. Yeah. And we'll be talking about potential wearable integration, which is very exciting, and navigation integration as well. Plus, Thomas Donville, Anonymous himself, he is here with a demo of the ICO app. Uh, telling us about that, which is using OpenAI. Seems to be a theme through today's show. Yeah, it does. Um, We're going to be hearing about this OpenAI Whisper, which is the transcription plugin and modal or module, whatever you want to call it. That is uh, essentially a fantastic feature that allows you to transcribe audio. There is an app now available for iPhone and Mac OS, completely accessible. Thomas will walk us through it today on the show. Uh, shall we dive right in then? I think so. Yeah, let's dive right in with Global Accessibility Awareness Day, of course. It's a huge event, and uh, this year was no difference. Global Accessibility Awareness Day is a day devoted to promoting digital access and inclusion for everyone, regardless of ability. To mark the occasion, tech giants, including Microsoft, Apple, and Google, have unveiled a plethora of new features and services, all designed to enhance accessibility across their platforms. First up, Apple. Apple. Earlier this week, the company previewed software features for cognitive, vision, hearing and mobility accessibility, along with innovative tools for people who are non-speaking or at risk of losing their ability to speak. One of these is Assistive Access, which uses innovations in design to simplify apps to their essential features in order to lighten cognitive load. Another standout feature is Live Speech, which allows people to type what they want to say and to have it spoken out loud during phone calls and in-person conversations. Personal Voice, a feature designed for those at risk of losing their ability to speak, will enable us to create a synthesized voice to sound like us. Point and Speak in Magnifier will make it easier for those of us who are blind or low vision to interact with physical objects that have several text labels. In an example given from Apple, while using a household appliance such as a microwave, Point and Speak combines input from the camera, the LiDAR scanner, and on-device machine learning to announce the text on each button as users move their finger across the keypad.
4: Cook time. Pizza. Power level. Add 30 seconds.
1: Point and Speak is built into the magnifier app on iPhone and iPad that have LiDAR built in and it works great with voiceover. It can also be used with other magnifier features in there such as people detection, door detection and image descriptions to help blind and low vision people navigate their physical environment. Other notable updates include enhancements for people with physical and motor disabilities who use switch control, improvements for voiceover users such as the ability to increase and decrease the speed of Siri's voice, and there's the launch of the Sign Time service in multiple countries to connect Apple Store and Apple Support customers with on-demand sign language interpreters. Now over to Google. The search giant has expanded its live caption feature to Android tablets and users will now be able to respond to live captions by typing out their responses. Additionally, live caption support in French, Italian, and German languages will be extended to devices such as Google Pixel 4 and 5. Google is also adding a Q&A feature within Lookout, leveraging the Google DeepMind visual language model to describe images that lack alt text. Users can ask multiple questions about the image using either typed or voice commands. Google Maps has made its wheelchair-accessible place icon more prominent, and Chrome now has an improved ability to detect URL typos and suggest corrected website addresses. Lastly, Google has enhanced the text-to-speech experience on the upcoming Wear OS 4, making it faster and more reliable. We should see that feature come in later in the year. On to Xbox. And on Thursday, they announced a slew of accessibility-orientated updates. In a press release, the company touted new happenings centred around features, partnerships, progress, a revamped web experience, and much more. Anita Mortoloni is the Director of Accessibility for Xbox and Microsoft, and she told us about the updates from the gaming giant.
4: We say announcement, but really this some of them are new that we're sharing this week, but some of them are from the past several months because we believe that we should hold anything back and wait for one day to share all the accessibility goodness. Starting with the new stuff, the first one are expanded accessibility support pages. These allow players to know what controls are out there across PC and console. And so our support page now has over 150 accessibility features, settings, and controls available across PC and console. Speaking of accessibility settings on the Xbox app and PC, we now have an accessibility tab that has um, two new accessibility features to disable background images and disable animations. Settings designed to help players reduce visual components that could cause disruption, confusion, and irritation. And on that tab, we also have links to all those accessibility pages, making it even easier for you to find that support documentation that you need to be able to discover how to fully use all of those features or ones that you may not know about. Let's jump up progress on some of the quote unquote old stuff, but still super relevant because we've worked on shipping in the last year. Um, So the first one, and uh, this might be my favorite of the entire list, is the Xbox Accessibility Ambassador Explorer Path. And so this launched back in October after we met with some of the Xbox ambassadors. And if you're not familiar, our ambassadors are a group of people who promote safe gaming and are just passionate about making gaming fun for everyone. And so we met with them and they're like, I want to learn more about accessibility. And we're like, we're the people for that to make that happen. And let's gamify it. And so we gamified their ass to learn more and created the Accessibility Explorer Path. So we launched it in October and yeah, we were getting lots of positive feedback on it. And we're like, what if we had a goal of one million missions completed? Like of oh, all the ambassadors go out and do these missions which are quests to go try out an accessibility feature. Not just read it, but like, go try it out. See how it works. Go learn about, yeah, hands on, try it out, give us feedback and learn about accessibility. And we are super excited to say we hit it. We have over 1 million missions completed.
1: And to Samsung, who have unveiled an updated feature called Ambient Sound for its Galaxy Buds 2 Pro earbuds, aimed at providing better auditory experiences for those with hearing loss. The enhancement offers users the ability to listen to their favorite music while remaining aware of their surroundings, or alternatively, block out external noise when desired. The latest version of the ambient sound feature includes two additional levels of customization, bringing the total to five amplification levels. This expansion enables even more users to benefit from improved hearing experiences. It's also important to add that the big tech companies such as Microsoft and Google are adding lots of new resources for developers of apps and websites of all skill levels. Google has launched their accessibility scanner app to test websites for accessibility issues and offer solutions to fix them, while Microsoft have launched online courses for developers to ensure that new sites and apps are as accessible as they can be. Follow us here at DoubleTap for uh, lots more on Global Accessibility Awareness Day. We're on social media. And follow hashtag GAAD or hashtag Global Accessibility Awareness Day for more news and stories about how companies and teams and individuals Are working to make the world more accessible. So, how did Global Accessibility Awareness Day get started? Well, Joe Devon is one of its co founders, and this week he told us about the history of the day itself and what he considers will be its success in the long term.
2: I wrote a little blog post on a very unpopular blog called MySQL Talk, and uh, it turned into a viral moment from the first year, and now every single year it does. And it's around accessibility, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what it is. But just in case, it is about making digital products work for people with disabilities. And GAD has just uh, taken off to the tune of, well, we stopped we stopped counting when uh, on social media, the hashtag would hit uh, a reach of 200 uh, over 200 million users. Wow. Uh, and I'm Ooh. also the uh, chair of the GAD Foundation. But then that took us 10 years to do.
1: We all know, obviously, where Global Accessibility Awareness Day has, you know, has how it's emerged and how it's come around to be this huge event in the year, and big, big brands get involved. And I want to get into all that, but I want to go back to that first year and that very first day. How does that day compare to today, for example, or you know, the the, the day this
2: year? Gosh, it, if every year something completely unexpected happens and and i'd say it it was like in a positive a deer in the headlights is not the right word but more shock and and um yeah just just shock is the right word like oh my god i, I can't believe all of the engagement we've got you know right from the get-go though the very first year There was an article syndicated throughout Canada. It was published in my hometown paper. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, you know, in those early days, what kind of reaction were you getting from people? Because
1: I can only imagine the first question probably being from a lot of people was, what does
2: accessibility mean? How does that, what does that mean to me? Oh, yes. In the beginning, uh, nobody really knew what it was. And there was a ton of education involved but there was a whole community of people, of builders in the accessibility space. And there was a huge shift there because after I got to know the the folks working on it a bit, they were all depressed. They were like, oh my God, I've been working on this for a decade or two decades and it's never going to go anywhere. And I'd say that that, that depression has mostly gone away, um, at least until recent times. I, I'd say the last year has been a little bit challenging uh, because of all the layoffs and and um some companies have reduced their uh, attention to accessibility, but overall the field has grown a lot, and people got a lot more excited because they they saw momentum
3: we've been talking about the teaching of coding and how accessibility figures in with that are our, our developers taught this you know at, at higher education level is accessibility just a bolt on you know half an afternoon throwaway <laughs> segment or is it actually part of the core foundation when you're learning computer science or coding or whatever it may be have you noticed any change in in that sort of thing
2: i've noticed a change but i wouldn't say that it's gone far enough it's it's being talked about now. People are beginning to pay attention to it. And, and I think we also should s- split our conversation in terms of higher education versus, um, versus things like the uh, coding schools, the boot camps, because I'd say that a ton of the developers come out of those boot camps, and a lot of them uh, have not really focused on accessibility nearly enough. In fact, they're teaching people how to code incorrectly. They, uh, I don't, I don't want to get technical, but they're, they're essentially oh, doing. Please do.
3: <laughs> Just to annoy Stephen. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but actually, but in all reasons, this is important
1: stuff, right? Because you know it is about the way that people are taught. And are you saying that it, that the people who are being taught the accessibility side, if they're being taught it at all, are maybe being given wrong information?
2: I would say that they're not given wrong information if they touch on accessibility, but in terms of how they learn to code. Uh, the boot camps and probably in the schools too. Um, they focus a lot on the frameworks that have come out that are that ignore um, HTML, the 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 core language that really built in the accessibility is being ignored because the frameworks are trying to make coding easier, um, but they're leaving out a lot of the uh, the foundations, and that's really a shame.
1: I want to talk about the future here, because it's very difficult. I mean, we feel like we talk about accessibility and then 10 years go by and we're having pretty much the same conversations and the needle's moving a little bit, but it's very slow. Um, but we are in a new age when it comes to AI, artificial intelligence, lots of new products, lots of new uh, language models being developed and tools and everything else. And I guess there's a real fear here that we're back into the world of, you know, things are moving so quickly and accessibility is just gonna be left behind. Am I right to be
2: fearful? You're right to be fearful just because it's it doesn't hurt to be prepared. Um, but I, I think AI is actually a, gonna be a positive game changer when it comes to accessibility, because it's all, to me, AI is accessibility. And w- what do I mean by that? Let's first look at what is what is disability? If you are think you, you you've got two angles you've got one angle where you have senses, and you've got your your sense of sight of hearing, of touch, of uh, taste, smell, and maybe there's something in that system that doesn't fire the same wave for one person versus another, and then you have the output, which would be again touch, um, motion um. Expression, emotional expression, cognitive expression. And what AI is doing is it's taking sensory input like pictures, video, sound, and trying to understand it. It's artificial intelligence, it's trying to understand it the way a human does. And then you have generative AI, which is the output side of it, that is also trying to uh, output things in the same way that a human would. And when you are able to understand the information coming in, and because right now AI is go- is finally reached that that point where it's crossing the chasm, and the exponential growth uh, is starting to make these applications compelling, you're you're getting to a place where it understands the input, whether it's visual or sound. It's getting to be better than human. I, I I think within the next year or so, we're probably going to be able to get. Uh, captions that understand uh, better than humans. And once you've reached that, you, you, you've really crossed the chasm. Um, and it's also generating uh, images already. They're incredible. It's, it's generate, and it's also understanding the images um, and it's generating video. So what's going to happen is it's also personalized. So you've got a project. Have you heard of project relate or project euphonia that, that Google put out?
1: Yeah, but maybe explain a little bit
2: about it for for the audience. Great. So, so what they've done is, you have some people who they when they speak, they have a a, a what do they call that um, a, a disability where where their their voice is not easy to understand, and all of the train all of the the machine learning, the training that AI has done on voices, there's they're not very good at understanding people with non-traditional voices. So these projects are trying to gather a lot of data and trying to understand what an individual is saying. And now uh, someone who might try to use Alexa or Siri or one of the the um, audio apps, it wasn't being understood. And now the AI is understanding what they're saying and able to translate that into action Um, by these Alexa type devices, but at the same time, it can also help communicate with other people where it's sort of a translation. And, and, and in fact, AI, what has the the current AI that has crossed the chasm is called a transformer and it's really good at translating language and not just language, but saying, okay, I'm going to translate video to audio. I'm going to translate video to text. I'm going to translate text to image. And I'm going to translate from one language to another. Or there's uh, Explain Like I'm Five, where you can go in for, for people that have cognitive disabilities. You can take a scientific uh, website and and turn that into different cognitive levels of understanding. And so these, these transformers are able to understand where you are. And so think of it, if you're blind, you have a, a very verbal life. And so the AI will take all of the sensory input and turn it into something verbal whereas if you're deaf you have very much of a visual life and so it will take all kind of audio and transform it into a visual format and now all of a sudden you get this personalized translation into whatever your preferences really are and whatever your needs are and that's why I think that that assistive technology uh, is going to look completely different in the coming years, even even within one year.
1: <laughs> I, I want to get your take on this one, Joe, because this comes up a lot. Uh, I see people on social media uh, who, who find this quite annoying, the idea that the day itself gets so much attention and, and that these companies fall over themselves to... You know, tell us about either a product or maybe just the fact that they're doing something. Maybe even it's nothing to do specifically with uh, accessibility. They just they just draw attention to it, but they themselves as a company maybe don't do a lot around accessibility, and that irritates people. Is there a danger with a day like this that it kind of just becomes an opportunity for everyone to wave the accessibility flag, but just for one day, and and then you know go back to ignoring it the other three hundred and sixty four?
2: I'm glad you asked that because it's something that I was very worried about pretty early on. Uh, I had seen this this documentary called Pink Ribbons," which spoke about a similar uh, a similar experience for uh, breast cancer, and it just it just sort of like scared me like, oh my God, I, you know, I don't want to let this happen. And then one year there was a Twitter account called "The Blind Onion and they tweeted out at the end of of one year of gad they said now that global accessibility awareness day is over we can get back to 364 days of global accessibility oblivion mm. and yeah, a boy. lot of people yeah harsh <laughs> and yeah and and um a lot of people told me ah there's always negative people don't like don't let that bother you and i said no on the contrary that that tweet was written in pain because we were not having enough of an impact and I'm going to use that as motivation, uh, to, to, to make sure that we do make a difference. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I, I went into one of these large corporations to give a talk and it was sort of a lunch and learn and a lot of the people they were, they were just eating, they weren't paying attention. And I was talking about the importance of all of this and how it impacts people well, And the, the way that they were ignoring it, like I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's very combative, but I was getting kind of pissed. So I started to raise my voice and then I literally said what you said. Like I, I, you know, the purpose of this day is not for, for companies to pat themselves on the back about what they're doing. It's gotta be genuine. And there was one person that was attentive the entire time and, uh, At the end, so I noticed, I noticed him. And then at the end he raised his hand and he said that he was the CEO of the organization and that, you know, this was not just being done, um, for, for PR, like, and it, and it was an internal event. So, so knowing that the leader of the organization was sitting there paying attention with no fanfare, that, that meant a lot to me for that particular organization, Um, and, and I'd say most of it, the, the people working on it are, are genuine is, are there some that might want to use it for PR? Sure. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not enough money in it for sure. Mm. Um, and if, and if the money comes from marketing, well, at least, at least it's coming from somewhere to provide solutions. So I don't know if that answers you, but hopefully it gives you a a little food for thought.
3: What does
1: success look like for a global accessibility awareness? Is it its extinction? (laughs)
2: um that's a that's something that's making me think um it, it might be but i i don't i don't feel like it is you know maybe for it to become a lot less important but but you've always got that that side of it where you have to do testing with you you know with people with disabilities and if you don't do that that user testing no matter what you're building, um, it, it, it won't be as good. So there's always a space for it. I don't see that going away anytime soon, even in success.
1: So interesting. Uh, Joe Devon, of course, one of the co-founders of Global Accessibility Awareness Day, spending the hour with us on the day itself. And uh, we get into a real mix of, of interesting conversations and examples of all the things Joe was talking about, uh, you know, I really, I must admit, I really enjoyed having Joe on the show. And I hope he comes back on soon, Sean, because he was just so interesting.
3: I know. and I, It just, it made me so hopeful that, that Joe's passion when it comes to this, you know, how he started it all as well, I found really interesting and how it's grown and just his views on it. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, more from OpenAI, uh, because they are in the news,
1: of course, as a result of Sam Altman, the CEO, appearing in front of US Congress to ask for regulation. Here, his opening remarks in full up next. Also, we'll be joined by Mike Buckley, telling us all about the latest Be My Eyes updates to their virtual volunteer feature. And, of course, that beta that everyone wants to be on. And five people on our show managed to get on. Details next.
5: Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now.
3: On Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And on Mastodon at Double Tap.
1: Going back to one of the uh, interesting stories of the week outside of Global Accessibility Awareness Day, OpenAI was in the news. Uh, its CEO Sam Altman appeared in front of US Congress. And uh, we talked about that this week on the show. The creator of uh, the advanced chatbot, ChatGPT, has been in front of US lawmakers to ask for regulation of artificial intelligence. Sam Altman is the CEO of OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, and he testified before a US Senate committee on Tuesday this week about the possibilities and pitfalls of the new technology. Let's have a listen to some of that.
6: OpenAI was founded on the belief that artificial intelligence has the potential to improve nearly every aspect of our lives but also that it creates serious risks we have to work together to manage. We're here because people love this technology. We think it can be a printing press moment. We have to work together to make it so. OpenAI is an unusual company, and we set it up that way because AI is an unusual technology. We are governed by a nonprofit and our activities are driven by our mission and our charter, which commit us to working to ensure that the broad distribution of the benefits of AI and to maximizing the safety of AI systems. We love seeing people use our tools to create, To learn, to be more productive, we're very optimistic that there are going to be fantastic jobs in the future and that current jobs can get much better. We also love seeing what developers are doing to improve lives. For example, Be My Eyes used our new multimodal technology in GPT-4 to help visually impaired individuals navigate their environment. We believe that the benefits of the tools we have deployed so far vastly outweigh the risks, but ensuring their safety is vital to our work and we make significant efforts to ensure that safety is built into our systems at all levels. Before releasing any new system, OpenAI conducts extensive testing, engages external experts for detailed reviews and independent audits, improves the model's behavior, and implements robust safety and monitoring systems. Before we released GPT-4, our latest model, we spent over six months conducting extensive evaluations, external red teaming, and dangerous capability testing. We are proud of the progress that we made. GPT-4 is more likely to respond helpfully and truthfully and refuse harmful requests than any other widely deployed model of similar capability. However, we think that regulatory intervention by governments will be critical to mitigate the risks of increasingly powerful models. For example, the US government might consider a combination of licensing and testing requirements for development and release of AI models above a threshold of capabilities. There are several other areas I mentioned in my written testimony, where I believe that companies like ours can partner with governments, including ensuring that the most powerful AI models adhere to a set of safety requirements, facilitating processes to develop and update safety measures, and examining opportunities for global coordination. And as you mentioned, uh, I think it's important that companies have their own responsibility here, no matter what Congress does. This is a remarkable time to be working on artificial intelligence. But as this technology advances, we understand that people are anxious about how it could change the way we live. We are too. But we believe that we can and must work together to identify and manage the potential downsides so that we can all enjoy the tremendous upsides.
1: Now, Sam Altman also told legislators that he was concerned about the impact on the economy and jobs and also on democracy as well, and how AI could start to be used to send targeted misinformation During elections, so wide range of points. I have to say, though, just hearing "be my eyes" mentioned in U.S. Congress made me smile a lot.
3: I know we're easily pleased, but you know that's that's how starved we are of anything (laughs) being mentioned in the mainstream, right? Oh, it really stands out. Fantastic. Yeah. Someone said. Someone nearly said the word "blind." It's like us getting a shout out. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And also, of course, uh, some updates from OpenAI this week as well, uh, with them now allowing uh, web. Integration as well. So you can actually search the web, today's web, as opposed to up to 2021, as was the case before. And the new OpenAI Chat GPT app for iOS, which has launched in the US on iOS, coming to Android and also coming to other countries soon. Early reports suggesting it is fully accessible, which is fabulous. Yes. Now, be my eyes. Uh, we've been talking to them on and off now for a good few years. And of course, their most recent update and a big new feature update, which is coming later this year, uh, is Virtual Volunteer. Mike Buckley is the CEO. He was with us this week. And he talked to us about, uh, first off, updating us on how the community are coming together to help make sure that this new feature is ready for prime time when it is finally launched. And also to talk to us about potential wearable integration and navigation integration as well. All with Mike Buckley this week.
0: We have this really vibrant WhatsApp group for the beta testers and, and we get we get really interesting ideas and feedback literally multiple times a day. Um which is it's very cool. And and as and you know, Sean Stephen, as I think I both said to you at one point, um, you know, the key design principle here is to build with not for right and so the importance of that of that group uh it just can't be it can't be overstated it's um you know uh, i've heard from both of you and i've heard from members of the community so many times in the past about you know that that folks are frustrated with technology that is thrust upon them or given to them without like direct input on on design and functionality and utility and so um anyway i we can't thank you and other beta testers enough for for the for the daily feedback it's um it's really rewarding right now i got to say
1: i uh, i put something up on social media the other day on twitter i think on mastodon as well and it got quite a response i can kind of understand why people were drawn to it because i was certainly amazed at this particular feature you know when you open up the app and it asks you to take a picture And then immediately describes that image for you. It just immediately gave me this thought of, hey, I am putting a lot of images onto social media and I often can't give them the alt text I want to give them. You know, as someone who is blind, I really value alt text, the additional text that, you know, goes alongside the image so that I can understand what it's all about. But being able to write that is the challenge for me. I want to make sure that someone else who's blind, who's getting my content can access it in the same way. And being able to put an image in, actually upload an image or take a picture and have that described and then be able to take that, that description and put it straight in to, uh, you know, to, to whatever it is, Twitter or Mastodon or Buffer as I use to, to schedule my tweets. You know, just to be able to do that was was a real moment for me. And and I, I said in the tweet, I got emotional. I, I did. I genuinely got emotional about it because, again, it just makes me able to do something that I wouldn't be able to do. You know, one thing that irritates the heck out of me at the moment is that I can't caption content. So if I was to put a video up online, I just don't have the ability to know what exactly the captioning is going to produce. So I can't be sure and trust exactly what it is. So when I see people say, you've got to caption your content, I think I'd love to caption my content, but there's not an accessible way of doing it. But there is now an, an accessible way for me to do alt text. And Sean, for me, that was a big moment.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's those things, right, where you realise, hang on, this solves this problem for me. And I keep finding more and more of those things. I suppose I'm kind of still, because it's so early days, I'm still thinking of the the apps that we've used previously, you know, okay, it's going to read this label to me, and it will do, you know, it'll recognise an object, which those features alone blew me away when I got my smartphone, when I first started using the iPhone anyway. but it's just a whole new level and you it's not until you start that you start to push it and you think ah there's no way it'll know this and you ask it (laughs) and it comes back with and you think this is absolute it's game-changing right
0: yeah it's um i'll tell you it's i i i underestimate i greatly underestimated um kind of kind of the 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 benefit and functionality with respect to the consumption and creation of social media, uh, as you were talking about Stephen. So you you guys know that there's, there is a, a gentleman in the beta test group whose name I won't use, but he sent a video of himself and and to us. Um, and he was emotional, you know, he was crying in the video because he said he lost his sight about three and a half years ago. And he said, this is the first time I've been able to enjoy my family and friends on Instagram in three and a wow. half years. And and I, and I, I don't think I, I realized that, that that was just another application, um, you know, just to be a little, a little bit closer with family and friends. And, and for him, it was describing the feed and the pictures in the feed. And, um, you know, he felt like a participant again. And it was, uh, I, I mean, I got emotional just, just, you know, listening to him on it. And so, um, but as you said, Sean, like, like we're trying to push this thing every day. Right like we're trying to break it. Like we're trying to to, to see what it can't do um, or see if it's, you know, going to do something strange. Right. And so um, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. There are imperfections and we have to continue to educate everybody that uses it and be incredibly transparent um, about that. And as you said, the stakes are different, right? The stakes of cheesecake versus cheese platter are very different than medication, right? Which is Kind of why we're saying, don't use it for medication. Don't use it to replace a guide dog. Don't use it to walk across the street. Mm-hmm. Now, am I optimistic that we'll get there? Yes. I can't say the time frame, but, but, you know, we've talked a little bit about this together. There's no doubt in my mind that the future is some sort of seamless wearable that interprets video in real time, right? It's coming. Yeah. It's just a matter of how long. Is it 12 months? Is it 24 months? I don't know. But I think that's where this goes. And I, and I do believe that, you know, if the systems are, I don't know what you would speculate, Stephen and Sean, you know, 97, 98% correct now. I think that there's a future where we get to 99.9.
1: Well, right? I was going to ask you that. I yeah. was going to ask you, do you have a sense at the moment of what the accuracy is overall? Are you getting any data on that?
0: We are getting data, but I don't have a quantitative number now. I will say that, that uh, on a couple of the things that you've talked about, um, uh, some of the OCR stuff, the, the, the remote control stuff, I would say it's you know probably, if I had to speculate, closer to 90 than 99. Um, but there are other things that, that it does really well. So we, we are going to collate with all of this data, and we've committed to doing kind of a public report. After uh, towards the end of the beta test, just to try to be again incredibly transparent about where this is working well and not so well, Um, just because people deserve to know, you know. But I I don't have, I I can't say like ninety six percent right now. I just don't Mm. know.
1: I I mean, I must say ninety percent I think is incredible considering where we were a year ago. At least as yes. far as we knew where we were a year ago with AI, I think that ninety percent is incredible if we're even close to that. I would have expected you to say seventy at this point, you know, but the fact we're getting up there is good. But like you say, this is a process, Um, and there's a lot of other aspects. I mean, like music is obviously a language; it has to learn as well. You know, it probably won't take it long if it's anything like Johnny (laughs) Five from uh, Short Circuit. It'll probably, which is exactly what we picture it as. as Yeah, I see it. (laughs) Right.
3: I I gotta say, you're you're kind of a victim of your own success, though, right? Or at least Mm. AI is, because it is as as we've said already, so impressive. And, you know, we we really push it and it gives you the answer that when something isn't correct, it really stands out and sort of takes you back. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it's it's a really difficult situation.
0: Yeah, it's it's also underscores the importance of, you know, testing it in as many real world environments as possible. Um, You know, we've got this new partnership with Hilton, for example, where we're going to test it in every aspect of the hotel environment right? And I know you guys both travel a fair amount. Um, it can be a royal pain, right? From, you know, you know, cab to curb, right? Where's the elevator? Uh, where's the room service menu? The one where where um, one of my first experiences as a volunteer at Be My Eyes was someone who, um, they were clothed, just to be clear. They walked into the shower of the hotel <laughs> and said, which one is the shampoo and which one is the conditioner? Mm. Um, and, and so... But but like there there are thousands of those real world environments right, and so being able to test as many of those as possible is hugely important. I was really encouraged the other day though. We um, uh, one of our uh, our team members was traveling and tested it out in the airport, and it was correctly identifying gates and kind of flights on the board and numbers and things like that. And I was like, that's really cool, right? If you can make an airport more accessible, um, that's incredibly exciting. We're already talking with a number of companies um, that make wearables, including companies who make non-traditional wearables. There are some really interesting new technology companies that uh, are talking about like pocket based items and things like that. and so, we, You will hear some news for us in the relatively near future about doing some experimentations on wearables, but we're also going to do, and this is something we've never said before, we're also going to experiment with putting internal navigation into the app as well. Um, because if you think about the future, the additional component of you not only want to process real-time live video visual information, right, but you also want to know more about your surroundings, Uh, And perhaps the route that you're going to take, whether it's through an airport or through a mall or somewhere else. And so um, we will be partnering with multiple companies to figure out the best way to incorporate uh, internal navigation into the app. I, I, you know, look, eventually you, you both know this better than me. There are wonderful applications out there for the community, but there are almost too many of them in some senses. Right. Mm. And you have to, you know, get out of an app and go into another app and then go into another app. And if we can somehow be really thoughtful, um, about partnering with a number of these other companies and a number of types of technology and make it so that, you know, the, the application becomes a little bit more of a one-stop shop provided it, it works well and it, it doesn't get like clunky from a UI perspective. Right. Um, I think I think that I'm really excited about that. So I think internal navigation is is really interesting. We're uh, I think we're going to pilot one with a, a pro sports team. So I will keep you posted. <laughs> wow,
1: unbelievable, isn't it? What is going on at the moment? And you know, it's so great to hear Mike talk about that and be so open with us as well to talk about, especially navigation, Sean. I think that's going to be of interest to a lot of people, especially oh, since the demise of Soundscape.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, it just shows you know that this is almost becoming a universal thing, right? This one app to rule them all. But the theme across all of the guests that we've had on, though, is just how much they're making a difference or trying to make a difference. Uh, but more than that, it's the way that they're doing it, right? They're just so they're interacting with whoever they're you know communicating with in such a way that I don't know. It's just. It's just so nice to see. It's compassionate. There's ethics behind it. It's just it's so great. And finally, we turn once again
1: to OpenAI for our final feature from Thomas Donville. And this just shows how integrated it's becoming to every single thing and how much it's literally flooding every piece of tech we can think of. Uh, A new transcription app came about called iCo A-I-K-O. It's available for iOS and macOS. How accessible is it? Thomas Donville, also known as Anonymous, took to AppleViz to tell us.
7: Not only is it free, but it's totally unlimited, and meaning you can use it as many times as you want. So what is this iCO and what does it do for me? Essentially, what this will do, it will take any type of audio and transcribe it into text, so speech to text. So as you can imagine, so anything you need to transcribe or transfer over to text, and that it could be a number of things why you would want to use this. And to top of the list that I can think of is for those that are in school that needs your professor or your teacher so they're doing a lecture or a conversation in the classroom, and you need that translated to into text, so you can into a readable form. If you are at work, maybe having meetings or if you attend seminars or conventions that you have recorded, and once again, you want to be able to put that down onto text form. This is going to be for you now. What makes Aico's stand out compared to many other speech to text transcription out there is OpenAI technology. Yes, you have heard that term quite a bit lately. OpenAI, yes, it's the same company that makes OpenAI GPT that you've heard about. There are many things that OpenAI offers, and one of those is called OpenAI Whisper. And Whisper is the technology that OpenAI is used for artificial Intelligent to convert audio to text. So you can imagine the accuracy is really great and awesome in using the Whisper technology. Not only that, but it supports over 100 different languages, which is amazing and astounding in a single app. And to top all of that, it's all done on your device. Yes, you heard that right. There is no transferring over to servers or anything like that. It is all done processing on your device. So in my case, my iPhone is doing all the work and doing the transformation from speech to text. Okay, so let's get going. Let's head over to the iPhone here and get Ico up. Ico, double tap to open. We're going to do just that. So one finger double tap to open the app itself. Ico, settings button. So the first place it is going to head you into is the settings. Settings is located at the top left. There is not much in the settings itself. I'll show you a few pointers and a couple of things you might be interested in. But other than that, it's one of those you set and you're done. So let's double tap that. Sheet grabber. Button. Double tap to expand the sheet. So
5: let's swipe to the right. Double tap to dismiss pop-up window. Button. Close. Button.
7: Audio language, auto detect, button. Right now, audio language is automatically in auto mode. So I'm not sure why you would change that unless you're having some issues. You want to pick out, hey, it is this particular language, maybe it's not doing it right. But, however, it is automatic. So that means it will detect the language automatically, what to transcribe based on the language that it hears. Translate to English, switch
5: button on double tap to toggle setting.
7: Now, yours may be set to off on this. I went ahead and and double tapped this with one finger and turned it on. So no matter what language it hears, it's going to transcribe it to English. So that's the portion I was telling you about. It can convert from other language to English. So if that's something you're interested in, go ahead and double tap to turn that on. Otherwise, if you want to leave it the way it is, from the language that it detect, it'll just write it in the language to detect back into text. So that'll be up to you. Show timestamps. Switch button. Off. Double tap to toggle setting. This is set to off. And if timestamps is really important to you to see immediately, then you can go ahead and double tap that on. It is not, and it does not um, affect if you want timestamp to, when you get to the top port- portion where you want to save it or export it, there is the option to have timestamp in that conversation. But for appearance-wise, on the screen after it translates, it will show you timestamp if that's something you want to do. It's a look a little messy. I wouldn't recommend it unless you highly need it now. Otherwise, just wait until we can export the file into timestamp format. So I'm going to go to the top here with four fingers. Tap at the top. cheat grabber. Button. Go to the right. Double tap to dismiss pop up window. Button. And double tap to dismiss. Settings. Button. And then we're back out to the main screen. Okay, so let me show you the main screen interface. As I mentioned before, it's very minimalistic. There isn't much to show. So let's go to the right. I go. Heading. Import audio.
5: Button. Pop up button. Double tap to activate the
7: picker. So that's pretty obvious there. That is to import the audio. Open, button. Not sure why they have two of these, but they both do the same thing here. Record, button. And lastly, we have the record button. Now, as I mentioned before, if you use the record button, that actually records right now. Let's go back left here. Open, button. Let's do that. I'm going to do a demonstration. I have a audio of a professor and that is in a class. I'm gonna use him as an example. So you can see how this works. So one finger double tap to open documents back button. Now, hopefully you have some experience with the file browser app itself, and typically it will start where you left off using the file browser in the previous. Now, I know immediately it's in my OneDrive just hearing the response of the back button there. I'm going to double tap the back button, and that's at the top left until I get to the very first screen of the fr- file browser screen. Documents, back button, files, files, OneDrive, back button, OneDrive, one, browse, back button, browse, cancel, button. Until you get to the cancel button, you know that you're there. If you hear the cancel, you are at the very first screen. So as I go to the right here, browse,
5: heading, more, button, search, search field, dictate, button, until I get to the location button. Locations. Button. Heading.
7: Expanded. Double tap to collapse. Actions available. So it's already expanded. If it's not expanded, to one finger double tap, and I'll expand that for you. iCloud Drive. Button. This is where you find all your services. Your OneDrive, your Dropbox, the Google Drive, and things like that. I am just going to go to my iCloud here. Double tap that. Audio memos. Yesterday one item. Folder. Button. Actions available. There's my audio memo folder. So I'm using audio memo app and that is where I will have all my audio recording. So let's do one finger double tap on that. Professor lecture sample. Yesterday 4.3 meters B. Audio. Actions available. Okay. So that's the one I want to use. One finger double tap on that. Settings. Dimmed. Button. Now let's go to the right and see what we have on the screen. In progress. Stop. Button. Transcribing. This may take a while. Do not leave the screen. Okay. So it's in the process of transcribing, and you cannot leave this screen. So that is meaning... I teach at Emory University in Atlanta. There we go. And I'm... So the transcription is done. But the point I was wanting to make there is that while it's processing and transcribing, you can't leave the screen. Meaning, unfortunately, you won't be able to leave here and go check your emails and things like that. You have to put your device down and wait for the result to come back. And the transcription just depends how long your audio is. Of course, that is going to determine how long the transcription takes. Let's go to the top here. Settings button. You're going to see the similar screen as we saw in the home screen. Yes, everything looks about the same with some additional things on the screen. So if you go to the right, transcription, go to the right, English. It detected English, so here's the English format, copy, button. Now you have the option to do several things here. The first up is copy. So if you want to copy what he has transcribed, you just double tap that and i will be put into the iOS clipboard. And from the clipboard, you can access it through from anything else. So if you want to get your notes out or if you want to get your mail out or whatever that is that you want to paste it back to, that's what the copy is for. Let's go to the right. Export button. Pop up button. Export is exactly that. This is where we are able to export it to different formats that is available for you. On top of being able to save the audio file self, import audio, button, pop-up button, double tap to activate the picker. Essentially, if you wanted to start over and you want to import a new audio to transcribe, that is the area you go to. Let's go to the right. Good morning, everybody. This is where the transcription lives. So I can get a sneak peek of what the audio said, and I'll just have it read a few lines here so you can hear for yourself how remarkable the transcription is. I'm Rich Fryer. I
5: teach at Emory University in Atlanta, and I am delighted to be with you to talk about generic federal civil procedure for the bar exam. In fact, we're going to be together for two days talking about civil procedure.
7: Now, think about that. Two days of civil procedure. What's that mean? i will stop there. That is pretty remarkable. So that is what you are going to be copying or exporting. This is absolutely perfect and beautiful for being able to take something from audio to speech. I was intrigued and interested that is using the OpenAI Whisper technology. So I know it's gonna do a pretty decent job in terms of transcription. And one last remark I wanna make, this is available for Mac users as well. ICO is also available on the mac so i hope that you find this useful and you'll be able to use it in one form or another that will help you from taking something from audio to text my name is thomas donville also known as anonymous bye-bye
1: thank you thomas and don't forget he is available as anonymous on apple viz and uh, you can check out more of thomas's work there Uh, thank you so much to him for allowing us to uh, cut that down and put it into our show uh, this week of course you can listen to all the episodes in full
3: there's tons of content sean it's been quite a week it has yes and i i think this is great it's great to showcase this sort of content as well fantastic yeah. we had some great guests on the train is back next saturday but of course we are back here on tuesday
1: for a brand new episode have a great long weekend keep your feedback coming feedback at double call us one 803 4567 leave us a voicemail And like I say, have a great weekend.
3: Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye.